Hi, this is Princess Victoria. You're listening to BBGWrestling.com. Have a great day. Everybody and welcome to another edition of Hands Off Merchandise on BBGWrestling.com. I am Pablo, and with me today, I do not use the word hero lightly. It is safe to say that I have probably more of his work on display than I have pictures of family members, um, as I've uh, <laughs> as I've just uh, shown him and possibly embarrassed him by how much stuff I have with his work on. Um, just going, and I never read Wikipedia entries as an intro, but I've just got to read this out. Uh, in 1991, my guest landed a job with WWF as costume designer, logo designer, prop creator, and illustrator. His artwork for WWE appeared on WrestleMania t-shirts, VHS covers, and other merchandise items. He made his first impact on pop culture by creating and designing characters for the WWE, including Papa Shango, Crush, Adam Bomb, 123Kid, Razor Ramon. And he has also designed and created the scepter for the first pay-per-view King of the Ring event in 1993. He is, I mean, if I knew nothing else about him, and I'm sure he's a wonderful person, if I knew nothing else about him, he is a hero. He is Tom Fleming. Hello. How's it going, Pablo? Okay, so first of all, too kind with the introduction, but I really appreciate it. Well, the thing is, as well, that that is only a, a tiny part of your career, really, because you've worked with Marvel, you've worked with DC, you've done all sorts of stuff. But this is specifically a wrestling, um, a wrestling uh, podcast. Uh, do you find that with social media, more people are discovering you through wrestling than ever before? Um, actually it's, yeah, it's actually incredible. Um, when you say ever before it's, I don't think anybody ever knew that I did any of the work that I did. Um, I was kind of anonymous for so long. I worked in house nine to five at the, uh, and sometimes longer at the, uh, WWF now WWE. And, um, you know, everything that we did in house and for the production, unless you look for the uh, signature and even care about it uh, on some of the things, uh, you wouldn't know who who did a lot of the artwork. So I've gone, you know, the last 30 years or so, and not many people knew that I did work, including some of my closest friends and people that follow me through Marvel and DC and things like that. So yeah, it's been incredible ever since I started joining these uh, Facebook and Reddit groups. Well, I found you uh, through, because as, as you do, I, I was uh, Wikipediaing Adam, Adam Bomb's page, because I'm a huge fan of Adam Bomb, and uh, you are credited on his page as having designed his ring gear, so that's that's how I found you, and um, I'll be honest, because I mean, I've been very lucky to get lots of guests and everything, but I thought someone who works for DC, Marvel, he'll never do a wrestling podcast talking about something he did. 30 years ago so I, I really really appreciate it because i mean i'm sure you're getting it from everyone at the moment but i hope you realize how much your work means to a lot of people and um i don't know if you've seen but how much a lot of your you know a lot of the merchandise that your work is a part of sells for now on ebay i mean have you have you checked that out has it surprised you um 
It's been mind blowing, actually. Yeah. Um, surprise. It's it's been it's been a really humbling uh, last couple of months being on here and getting some of the um, feedback, the letters, wonderful, you know, uh, messages and things like that. And I had no idea that the 90s was such a beloved era and that I created, uh, designed, created a lot of the characters that are a big part of that era. So it's it's been, this has been like a complete uh, kind of um, unpredictable part of the journey that just started with just kind of having fun and posting some things on Facebook groups. Uh, and I'm guessing you didn't expect the, uh, the reaction to, again, to some of the stuff that you posted. And my friend, on uh, on Instagram, um, bought some Survivor Series '93 artwork from you, which I mean, I love that artwork so much. Um, and you also had like free T-shirts and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to be that person, but I'm, I, you know, I would like to think that you just have cupboards full, <laughs> just insanely hard to find stuff now. Um, I don't, well, it's kind of strict. I don't have cupboards full, uh, but because I never really seeked out, uh, the market, the artwork, all my Marvel DC, Magic the Gathering, World of Warcraft, um, all that kind of stuff that I've been doing for the last 25, 30 years, I've been selling along the way where, in the very beginning, I started working for the WWF when I was about 25 years old, and that was in-house. There was no such thing as eBay and online auctions and things like that. So a lot of this stuff just sat in my flat files. And recently, where I'm getting this resurgence of interest and uh, an idea of how much this means to people and their childhood with the uh, value of nostalgia. Well, so, well. yeah. I, so, um, you know, to answer your question, uh, cupboard, cupboards full, no, but, <laughs> but I did find a small stack of t-shirts in my attic that, uh, that were actually well, uh, well preserved. And I and poppies at some of them, uh, what you know, the prices that they're going for, uh, which is wonderful because for most of my career, I sold and gave away artwork and never got, um, always got either the market value or under the market value for a long time. So it's it's really nice to see that all this nostalgic vintage stuff that I have now is, um, you know, people are loving it. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Yeah, it's very, it's very exciting. Um, before we get into sort of, you know, going back in time sort of thing, um, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, because I mentioned that uh, you created the scepter at King of the Ring 93 that Jerry Lawler smashes over Brett's head. And then he throws a bit of that scepter into the crowd. And I'm really surprised that that piece hasn't shown up anywhere yet. Um, some fan will have that in a cupboard or something or in a drawer just cooked away. Did you know that they made a figure of Brett in the crown with the cape, with the scepter recently? No. Yes. No. <laughs> okay, so you just touched on a really funny story at um, anyone in the public. Um, I might have, um, but so when I 
created the scepter, um, you know, to actually go back a little bit before that, uh, I had no idea that I was going to be creating props for the uh, WWF. Uh, I, you know, I was hired as an illustrator and then my boss just kept kind of throwing projects at me and seeing, you know, if it, you know, how I did with them as a kind of test and it wound up being illustration, uh, costume design, you know, et cetera. So I'm really proud that, you know, the tests were, you know, I passed the tests and the King of the Ring uh, came up. We had no idea, you know, how big the event was going to be, if it was going to stick around, if it was going to be an ongoing, uh, you know, show or not. But they asked me to do the scepter. And I started putting, and I had no idea. I've never done anything like that before. But when do you get asked to make a scepter? You know, <laughs> it's not like anyone has experience in that. Yeah. Okay. Got a point there. Yeah, that is true. So, um, so I just, you know, started working on it. And um, between me and my buddy, uh, Jay, uh, who worked alongside of me in the cubicle in the art department, he was another designer. And I'll talk about uh, him a little, I'd like to talk to, about him a little bit more later on. But um, he had some great insight into uh, in making of the scepter. And one of the tricks is for all of this stuff, when building props for any of the uh, wrestlers or events, they not only have to look good, but they have to be durable. So I put this thing together. And one of the things that I had to do was create that real golden, you know, it had to look like a, uh, you know, a, a piece, a, a jeweled item. Hmm. And uh, everything was working really well. And um, here's a little tidbit that um, the main sphere of them ball. And the styrofoam ball, every time I spray painted it, the spray paint would dissolve the, the styrofoam and it would shrivel up. And Jay came up with the idea. He said, hey, why don't you dissolve a little bit of Elmer's glue and coat the whole sphere with Elmer's glue, which will create a plastic coating shield and then try to spray paint it. And it worked like a charm. So once we got through that, I started building on it and adding the pearls and by the time it was done, I was, uh, it looked, you know, I was like, oh my God, this look, this thing looks like it could be on the set of Indiana Jones. <laughs> and I put a request in to get it back after the event. And when we had big events, the, uh, many times the art department would get together at somebody's apartment and have like a pay-per-view party. And we would, you know, we have cocktails and hang around. And as the event uh, unfolded, we would see the costumes and designs and logos, all the stuff that we all created on camera. And it was really exciting to be like, Hey, there's so-and-so's costume, you know, this and that and we toast. And it was really fun. And, uh, when the King of the ring ended and Bret Hart was standing there holding the, uh, scepter, I was, uh, everybody was like, there it is the scepter. You know, we were all excited. And then when Lawler came running down the aisle, and grabbed it from him and broke it in half. I swear, my stomach. I, I was like, oh God. And then he took it and he threw it into the crowd and my heart just sank. I was like, you know, all chances of getting that thing back were, you know, you know, now that you say, you know, I wonder what happened with the actual pieces of it. 
But um, that was actually a moment that I wanted to get that scepter back. And they said, yeah, at the end of the show, no problem. We had no idea it was going to be torn apart and uh, and thrown into the crowd. So that's funny that you brought that up. The thing is, though, the person who caught it, the illusion would be shattered knowing that you could just probably crunch it in your hand. Like Yes, <laughs> exactly. And I think and that's also a big part of why he threw it in the crowd, too, knowing that it probably couldn't. Um, but yes, exactly. When whoever caught it probably, you know, was like, oh, my God, this thing is so light. Um, and, you know, it's on camera. It just has to look the part. That's incredible. Like, I, it, I, it, I did think about that. If he's thrown it in a crowd and it hits off someone's head, you know, there's a potential lawsuit there. But the fact that it's, you know, really light. The, the cape and the, um, the crown still get shown on TV you know, for archive shows and uh, and access the the WrestleMania access, um, the you know because the crown's destroyed now as well. But you, luckily, you didn't throw the crown into the audience. But um, yeah, that's that's incredible. I love that event. Like, so to hear a story like that is is wonderful. Um, yeah. <laughs> so to um, go back in time. So um, did you? So I'm, I'm guessing you went to sort of art school. You, like university, all that kind of thing, and yeah. that's how you work for. Um, that's how you work for your career, basically. So, what were your early influences as a as an artist? I'm guessing comic books. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. So, I did go to school. I went to Syracuse University, uh, which had a great uh, visual and performing arts department. Um, I really, uh, you know, was taken under the wing of my mentor, Murray Tenkelman who later became, he's a Hall of Fame illustrator, later on uh, became a friend after I, uh, until his passing a few years ago. Uh, so yeah, I really had a personal, really great relationship with, uh, with my professors. And um, so I did not plan, when I was in college, as much as I loved comic books, I did not plan on actually becoming a comic book artist. My aspirations were, to become a fantasy paperback uh, cover artist. And my real early influences were an inspiration. So Michael Whalen and um, the real, you know, the real pioneers of uh, fantasy art. And what happened was I got the job. I answered the ad in the New York Times for the World Wrestling Federation, had no idea that that's who was putting the ad out. It was just generic. I went in for an interview and one thing led to another and they wound up, I wound up working there for, uh, you know, for pretty much a decade on and off in the nineties, um, straight through from pretty much 91 through 94 and that, but so the big influences early in my life, and I'm talking middle school into high school were Frank Frazetta, Michael Whalen, Boris Vallejo, and they were the reasons why I wanted to be a painter and learn how to paint. Then as far as drawing goes and the comic book artists, uh, Sal Basima, who drew Rom, Space Knight and The Incredible Hulk, they he drew both of those, which is incredible to have two titles every month. And I didn't realize what an undertaking that is until I you know, <laughs> became a, a comic pro myself and realized you know, it's absolutely insane to draw that many uh, panels in one month. But he was my uh, he was my big he, he was my major inspiration to draw at an early age. 
Uh, then there's Bill Sienkiewicz, who was a huge influence with painting in uh, comic books. And, you know, painting was not very uh, common back in the 80s and 70s. And Bill Sienkiewicz introduced that kind of abstract fine art quality to comic books. And I saw that stuff and I was just like, you know, I don't work anywhere near the style that he works, but it was just so inspirational that I just wanted to get in there and kind of do my thing. Uh, so yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many names uh, to throw out there. Um, later on, you know, I went to, in college, my buddy, Dave DeVries uh, was a, is an unbelievable painter and does a lot of um, trading cards and covers and things like that for Marvel, mostly back in the nineties also. And he's been a huge influence on me and we kind of go back and forth. um, And uh, we used to do uh, shows together and he would have a slide projector. I would have a slide projector and I would have, we would coordinate it so that he would show his Wolverine. I would show my Wolverine, uh, his Hulk, my Hulk. And we'd go back and forth the two and we had very different styles. And it was, it was a really effective way to show um, a bunch of stuff really quickly to uh, to an audience. Um, so yeah, that's you know that's so basically what ha- so basically uh, long story short was I graduated from college. Dave went right into the comic book thing. We had Dick Giordano, the vice president of DC Comics, as one of our professors at Syracuse, and he invited us to come to DC comics and go on a tour. And he took us through and this whole thing, Dave went right into becoming a comic book artist and I got the job at the WWF. So after the time of, you know, after a while it became one of those things where I had a huge portfolio full of wrestling artwork. And uh, my wife has been super supportive and she was always like, you know, as long as you work at the WWF, you're going to pretty much stay anonymous. Don't you want the world to know who you are? And she was kind of trying to inspire me to move on. And at the time I was making very good money with the World Wrestling Federation. And it was really hard to walk away from that paycheck. And um, eventually uh, in the mid nineties, when all those scandals started, Uh, things got pretty rough at the WWF and they started laying off a lot of employees and things started getting, you know, things started looking pretty bad. And eventually I got laid off. My boss came to my cuticle. I think I cubicle, I think I, uh, I was possibly the last freelancer to work, um, in the art department for sure. And, um, yeah, she came in and told me that they were going to keep me on as a freelancer, but, uh, no longer, work in the building. And at that point, my buddy Dave said, Hey, I'll introduce you to uh, one of my art directors at the, at DC comics. I have an arch, I have a gallery opening, uh, so-and-so, whatever it was Saturday night, he goes, bring your portfolio down and uh, I'll introduce you. And I did that. The art director looked at my stuff. He said, uh, well, you have a whole portfolio full of wrestling work. Yeah, I don't know what we can do with you, but two weeks later, he called me up and he gave me the uh, Superman trading card for the DC Master Series. Uh, so yeah, it was one of those things. And then I showed it to Marvel and it kind of went from there. That's but um, so, yeah, so it was funny how it parlayed into that. 
what were you were you a collector uh, growing up and when you start to get in uh, work for Marvel and DC and start to working the areas that you you truly love um, did you get to work and meet some of your heroes yeah and actually that that's been one of the most satisfying uh, kind of aspects of doing what I do it not only did I get to meet them but I became friends with a lot of them and it's funny when you um, are influenced and inspired and you look at somebody as a as a hero uh, it's funny how when you become friends it 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 kind of becomes like this weird blurred thing and you kind of forget and you just have, um, you know, a mutual admiration for each other. Um, and, uh, and it, it, it you, you kind of forget, you know, where you came from, yeah. but it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because, uh, one of my early inspirations was Joe Jusco, who did a lot of, a lot of wrestling fans will know his work from doing the Royal Rumble uh, 91 and 92 uh, ads. So he did the one, all the guys marching down the street. I have a poster di directly opposite from me of Royal Rumble 92. Um, it, it went in, because I interviewed the guy who worked for Silver Vision at the time and Silver Vision was the UK distributor of the videos. So they would um, add posters attached to the like perforated posters attached to the covers that you can fold out. And one of them was the Royal Rumble 92 one. And I had that signed by just about everyone on that poster. Oh, um, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, he is a hero. Tell him if you, when you see him, tell him I love him. <laughs> yeah, I, I sure will. I'm going to, I'm going to let him know how much, how, what an unbelievable uh, welcome I've gotten after all these years by the wrestling fans. Because his stuff, you know, he did the um, the Royal Rumble stuff. And I know he did the painting that you're probably familiar with of Hulk Hogan with the flag on top of a map. It was like on top of a mountain. WrestleMania 7. Yeah, that's right. It, OK, that was the WrestleMania right before I did the artwork. I did WrestleMania 8. So, uh -huh. See, I'm yeah. just looking out now. Sorry. <laughs> I, yeah. have, I have that WrestleMania 7. I'm such a nerdy collector. I have the... They did it as a um, like a stand, like an in-store sort of stand display. Um, yeah. And they did, it, they did it on pins. They did it on posters. But yeah, no, I, I have and these that looks superhero esque as well. Yes. Whereas the rumble, the rumble ones are kind of more realistic looking, but the the WrestleMania Seven one is specifically American hero. Yes. That's like classic Joe Jusco, that Hulk Hogan. And, um, you know, when I came in and I saw, I didn't even know that he was working for the WWF until I saw the stuff while I was working there. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be, uh, this is a tough act to follow. Uh, and then, you know, one thing led to another. And it turns out that uh, I work, I work fairly realistically also, but with that comic book kind of feel to it. And what happened, really, I mean, the the truth of the matter is I was young and I was willing to work uh, ch cheaper than he was at the time. And so they started hiring me for a lot of the painted stuff like the uh, Survivor Series 93, Rumble 94, uh, you know, the WrestleMania stuff. So, yeah, um, you know, it's it's kind of crazy. 
people can't see this because this is just an audio podcast, but I'm literally just put my hand over my heart every time you say something just wonderful like that. <laughs> um, so being younger then, um, how was the job presented to you? Did I mean, in your opinion, I'm guessing you wouldn't take a job with those kind of parameters now, maybe. Uh, you do you know, think, it's. Do you think it was take not hits to take advantage, but kind of like going, oh, we can get some off cheaper. We can, you know, etc. Now, when I say cheaper, um, Joe is extremely. Uh, he was already really well known in the comic book world, mm-hmm. so he was. He was. He had his. Um, he had his career rocking at that point. And when I say uh, I work cheaper, I'm, I didn't say that they, you know, I'm not saying by any means that they didn't pay me fairly. They paid me more money than I ever expected to make when I was 25 years old. Hmm. So um, it was just that it was the beginning of my career. And I was like, oh, my, I can't believe that I'm getting paid this well for doing, you know, this type of work. And I would literally sit at my cubicle and giggle, you know, and laugh sometimes like, I can't believe, you know, I can't believe they're paying me for this. Um, so I, it, it's hard to say if the same opportunity, I would say probably, yes, I might take the, um, it kind of, because it wasn't a big, they, things kind of evolved. So I answered the ad and the first job that I ever did was the background to the Legion of Doom poster where they're standing in the alleyway. I was going to ask you what your first job was. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Did you, do first the, job. did you do the Randy Savage poster with the sort of, um, it's from that series because there's Ric Flair, Legion of Doom, I think the Rockers, Randy Savage, and his is like a sort of psychedelic, he's on the second rope, but it's like sort of a multicolored checkerboard background and stuff like that. No, I didn't do that. I believe I believe my boss Adriana did that. That's my favorite poster of all time, and I've been looking for that for decades. Yeah, she's a fantastic designer. Yeah, absolutely fantastic designer. Really awesome with um, you know, like graphics and color and things like that. I learned a lot from her actually uh, through you know the the whole process. Uh, pen and ink. You know, I never did pen and ink before. I worked there, and she really kind of taught me the ropes on a lot of techniques and things like that so um i did the legion of doom was the very first job and i was real nervous because they needed a super realistic background that when the figures were superimposed with photoshop it had to look like they were standing in the uh the image yeah so what i did was and i still have the original art for for that poster in my in my flat files here um what we did was i did the painting and I took the actual photograph of the Legion of Doom and put it on acetate, clear acetate. And I taped it to the top and I would drop it and then flip, and so I could see where they were going to be. And I could estimate where the shadows would be cast and things like that. And we'd go back and forth so that I knew that when they put it in there, it would, it would look seamless. So, yeah, that, that was um, the first job I ever did. They, and they did not tell me that they were going to hire me at that time. At that time, it was a trial and they wanted to see how that went. When that was successful, then they said, hey, let's give you uh, a a shot for like, come in for two or three days. We'll see how it works out. And then two or three days 
kind of became two or three weeks, two or three weeks became almost a decade. So it just kind of evolved from, you know, a trial to being an in-house artist and working there uh, in a cubicle and then later freelance. Did you watch wrestling beforehand? Were you a fan? I was not. I never watched. I, I was familiar. You know what? To give you an example of how little I knew about wrestling, you know, of course, I knew that, you know, Hulk Hogan, um, you know, Rocky, the Rocky movies were some of my fa probably my number one favorite movie as a kid. Uh -huh. And Hulk Hogan, you know, of course, became a household name with Thunderlips. Uh, but I didn't even know who the ultimate warrior was when I started working there. Okay. Just to give you an idea. So in the early days, what was a day at work like? Were you given 10 things to work on? Did you, were you a part of the magazine staff? Were you a part, you know, uh, you were making logos at that point. Um, what would a, what would a day be like for you back then? Uh, a day would be like, um, I would come in, I would go to the cafeteria there, which was awesome. It was like yep. a restaurant and I would get a giant breakfast. I would sit and eat my breakfast. And then my boss would come into my cubicle and she would say, um, this is what you have for the day. And it might be a pen and ink drawing of, you know, like, you know, the undertaker's first t-shirt. Mm -hmm. It might be uh, a generic dr drawing for just merchandise art. It might be a costume design. It might, it could have been, it could be, it could have been a prop. And um, I, you know, she would just kind of brief me on it. She would go back to her office. I would start working on it. And, you know, typically it was, um, you know, a two or three day project to a week or so, uh, sometimes longer, sometimes quicker. And uh, that was it. Uh, when it was done, she would sign off on it. I would bring my, uh, you know, my sheet into the uh, creative director's office, she would sign off on it and I would submit it to get paid. And that was pretty much my daily. I never knew from day to day what project I'd be working on. So would you be presented with um, photographs to use? Like, or did you, was it up to you to go through the archives and, you know, what, like, can you tell me what their archives look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, okay, sometimes with the specifically with the costume designs, um, or actually any of the projects, they had a room, just just file cabinet after file cabinet of slides. Yeah, and at, you know, it, it, photographs probably would be too much, and they might have had photographs, but they had slides broken down for every wrestler, and I would go up to the, uh, you'd get a pass. And you'd go up there, you'd show them the past, they'd let you into the archives and you'd go through the drawers and say, I was working on a project of, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan. I would go through and I would just look for, you know, a great face that I needed. I would look for, you know, an arm, a leg, a, a body pose, this and that. And I would use all of these, combine them together to whatever the, you know, the new pose. Uh, sometimes I'd work directly from the photographs because there was no copyright infringing because they owned it uh and sometimes i what i call franking frankensteining the pieces together and creating a pose that didn't exist uh but it was it was an impressive uh archive yeah uh and the magazine staff was completely separate than the art department 
Right, okay. So, yeah. I did a really long interview with uh, Tom Buchanan. So was he someone that you were in contact with quite a lot? Or? No, I can't. No, uh, the name is familiar. And it's been so long that, um, but no, I don't believe that I worked with him directly. Uh, he um, was and a I, photographer for a good long while. There. Ah, okay. So um, I must have used many, many of his photos, oh, you yeah. know, his shots. But um, no, I don't, I, you know, I, I wasn't familiar with uh, or friendly with any of the photographers that I know of. Were you were you ever told if uh, a product you designed flopped really badly? Um, well, I was aware when projects flopped really badly. Costume designer, they didn't always. Uh, they they weren't. There was a, There was surely embarrassing moments. Um, there was some what? costumes. Yeah, <laughs> there was some that I was very proud of, and then there was others that I, until recently, have not divulged to the public that I did them. But now I'm like, ah, you know what? Hey, man. You know, I I am not embarrassed easily. And you know what? I'm not going to try to sit here and pretend that everything I did was fantastic. So, yes, everybody, every artist has their flops. And I certainly had a few. So um, when it came to actually, before we get into the costume designing, uh, did you were you behind the Battlemania comics? No, I didn't have actually, ironically, I didn't have anything to do with any wrestling comics that oh. came. The, yeah, the whole comic thing came later on after the WWE, WWF. Um, that was a whole kind of new chapter of my life. And I never went back and worked for any of the wrestling comics. That's interesting, because I would have just assumed that you did the, the Scoop Sullivan comic, which was in the back of the... Uh, the WBF magazines for a little while and all that kind of thing because that's I think that nope. was quite before you had gone but I thought maybe you designed it um, that's that's interesting see I, I didn't want it just to be a lot of did you do this did you do this because <laughs> we could go on forever with that but um, yeah it's fine <laughs> so um, were you responsible for any of the pay-per-view logos at that point did you design the King of the Ring logo oh um, no I I did not. The The art department had a whole stable of designers and it a lot of the logos were done by, you know, I don't remember specifically what designers did which logos. Um, I designed three major logos that um, that I remember. Um, one of them, one of them, and this is the actual sheet is, oh, it's probably backwards. No, it's but, not. It's not. Oh. <laughs> so that's, of course, my most proud, uh, you know, my biggest logo right there. And I was really proud of that. This is audio. So that was the Razor Ramon logo. And that's the logo that is uh, shown up on his ring gear. Uh, it showed up on stickers, trading cards, cups. Uh, they even did the, the replica dog tags with the logo on. Uh, everyone knows that logo. And that's, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that was, I love, I still love seeing it coming out when it's on toys and things like that, you know, to this day. Yeah. Um, and then, of course. <gasps> oh, yeah. I, it's unhealthy how big of a fan of Crush I am. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> we did, I've done several shows talking about different eras of Crush's career. Um, I am such, look. I mean, you can't really see it at the moment, but the, my wallpaper is orange and purple. 
Um, <laughs> because oh wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Because I love Crush. I mean, he, he's so visual, and as a kid, that just appealed to me. That sort of like the Hawaiian surfer Crush. That was the first Crush that I knew. Um, and then I kind of followed him throughout his career until until the end, basically, but then discovered Demolition, uh, found out about working in Portland, all that kind of stuff. But you designed that crush. I mean, it, it doesn't get more a part of my childhood than that crush logo. And oh, wow. I'm, I'm guessing you designed the uh, the crush it, when you showed me the doink and the, the Brett and everything. There's a crush pin as well. And I'm guessing you designed the crush. Um, I don't know about that. My boss might have, I might've inked it, but I, I don't think I, that I did the drawing. I would have to see it again. Let me, I'm just looking in my folder here to see if it's actually here. Um, and I don't see it, which, oh wait, here it is. So oh. it, it turns out I inked it. I did not draw it. I inked that. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I'm going to take because again, this is an audio podcast, but I do have the Instagram where I show off various bits of my collection. I'm going to take various screenshots of this conversation, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's great. To put out um, yeah. So, yeah, the crush. Um, now, when I, you know, showing you the logos, those because there was so many designers in the art department, I was not expected. It wasn't a, an assignment for me to create the logos. What wound up happening was I created the logos as the costume design and uh, it was part of the costume. And I had no idea that they were going to, they liked it so much that they were like, okay, you know what, take that off of the costume and now create an actual logo from it. So because I designed Razor, Crush, and the other one was the one, two, three kid, yeah. uh, they were created for the costume and then they thought that it would work as a logo so they asked me to um to go one step further and actually do the logo that makes so, sense it didn't occur to me that those costumes it, like it didn't click that the logos are on their attires like at the bombs as well um yeah so that, that makes a lot of sense um oh that's that's that is wonderful sorry i'm just i'm just wrapping myself in a blanket of lovely nostalgia and happiness because he's showing me some <laughs> that's cool <laughs> <laughs> um so when you were there so i'm guessing you attended pay-per-views and tv tapings and stuff like that um, um what was that like for you i mean were you in the boxes did you come over to wembley for SummerSlam? uh for what but did you come to wembley stadium for SummerSlam? no i didn't um, I usually stayed on the East Coast because uh, because the uh, Titan Towers, the headquarters of the WWF, yeah. was in Connecticut. Uh, a lot of the TV tapings that I went to were the debuts of the wrestlers that I designed. And I, I was there to make sure that their costume, whatever little details and things like that, were uh, made sure it went smoothly and that the costume was functioning well. Sometimes there was actually uh, visual props. Sometimes there was actually functional props that were part of the show. And I had to be there to make sure that, you know, everything went well. So most of the actual events that I went to were up driving distance up and down the East Coast. Um, and uh, it was actually 
was really exciting going to the uh, TV tapings. They took care of us, like at the peak of the WWF, they really took care of us and had an incredible buffet spread of food <laughs> that you wouldn't believe. I mean, it was, I mean, it was a spread, a giant table of food of everything you can imagine. And, you know, watching the wrestlers, these 350 pound guys, they're going to stack their chicken uh, cutlets, you know, and fillets up and fish and prime rib and you name it. And we would just, you know, eat like kings and, you know, watching the wrestlers backstage and things like that. Um, you know, it was it was super fun. I'm guessing you were in the Manhattan Center a lot. Um, I let's see. I know that I went to a, I went to let's like um, Portland, Maine was definitely one. Uh, there was a show in Rhode Island that I went to. That was for I think Papa Shango's debut. Um, Portland might have been Adam Bomb's debut. I'm not sure. Um, I, it's so long ago. I don't remember exactly what costumes were debuting, but, um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was mostly, mostly local stuff around, you know, Connecticut, North Connecticut to Maine, maybe Boston. Yeah. yeah. Did you find that, um, before we like start talking about props and everything, um, because there's a picture out there and it recently showed up on the WWE network. I mean, the picture has been around for forever because it showed up on a, a sticker on a, um, for a sticker album. And it's a right. razor Ramon in long tights and he has <laughs> the gear more around his tight. And they obviously scrapped that immediately. So is that, uh, is that a wrestler decision? Is it an aesthetic decision based on what it looks like on camera? Um, I'm guessing because I'm always fascinated by looks that didn't last long. Um, yeah, you know, it's always intriguing to see them in you know like prototype looks. So what was what is the decision making behind whether? Okay. Goes? Yeah, I have a uh, I have a specific story. Um, you know, it, it exactly uh, explaining the question. <laughs> so, uh, designed, um, so when I designed Razor's costume, uh, uh, I did design it with long pants and my buddy Jay designed one pair of long pants, which is the one that I believe you're referring to, which is the purple with the big razor blades. And so originally he did those pants and I designed the back of the vest. And then I designed another uh, razor costume that is very, it, I mean, that's the one that we know now, but, it, but he had long pants, black spandex with gold razor blades, smaller gold ra razor blades on those pants. And I was in the gym working out and uh, Scott Hall came over to me and I, you know, somebody must've told him that I designed his costume and he came over to thank me super uh, you know, uh, grateful and really, really nice guy came yeah. over, thanked me. And he asked me, he said, I have one, one request. He said, I've been working really hard on my legs. And he goes, how about if we take those long spandex pants and turn them into trunks? And I, you know, that's a no brainer. Uh, you know, I don't remember, I don't know if he went to the art department and told my boss that, and then told me or vice versa. But, you know, one thing led to another where they, the, um, I didn't even 
redo the costume designs. They just took those designs that I did, sent them off to the to the seamstresses in Chicago, and um, and they used my logo on trunks and put the razor blades on the knee pads. So. Yeah, it actually worked out fantastic. In the original designs, I also, he had a fedora, uh, a hat that was scrapped. Have you seen um, WWE.com a little while back posted a lot of your um, sketch designs and everything? Did you see those? Because there's Brett, I mean, the Brett, before he went on the single run, some of those outfits were a little, um, I think for lack of a better term, slightly homoerotic. Like, because it looked like he had a fong <laughs> going through his ass. Who And who was that? For who? Brett? For Brett. So it might have been before you got there, but there's like lots of early looks for um, the, Brett, the Razor Fedora pictures there, uh, this like crushing some early on the gears and stuff like that, but it's all on WWE. But the Brett gear, he's like sort of got a ponytail and he's, it, he's more, I think they're going for more of a, a Lafario kind of look. So he kind of has this real sort of, um, almost like a stripper. <laughs> okay. Now I, I, I have a, I have a pretty good idea and I'm, I'm a little bit of speculation, but my boss's, uh, my boss's designs always came off a little bit like that and she did she did a lot of the designs and as she was fantastic with design but there was always that kind of quality to them and um and actually that was a reason when i designed papa shango she did the face paint i did the body costume and the face paint had this like real kind of like mime look to it and i didn't think it had enough edge and then I created the uh, Papa Shango face paint, the skull that everybody knows of now. But that's interesting you say that, but I believe that that was her design. And I don't think that it was intentionally um, that way, but there was always um, that kind of feel. And she would do the figures and give us this kind of blank template of a figure. And then we would draw the costumes on top of those figures. and the figures always had that kind of feel to them. So interesting. Yeah, good observation. Um, I don't know if you saw, but uh, this was maybe about a year or so, maybe a little bit longer ago, but there was always a rumor that Papa Shango was meant to return in 1997 and he was going to be uh, potentially feuding with The Undertaker and he was going to look much darker and more sinister, um, even more sinister than, you know, 1992, 93. And a picture showed up in their archives of new face paint that Jerry Lawler had painted for them. And huh. they decided to scrap the, they just decided to scrap the idea and they went with Kane instead. Um, and then he showed up as Kama and Mustafa with the Nation of Domination at that point. But yeah, no, that was a, I love it when they break out stuff like that. I mean, give me one day in their warehouse, <laughs> in their archives. And I would- Yeah, I, yeah, I hear you. Um, I was unfamiliar with, I knew that, um, I didn't even know that they had a, you know, he had a revival um, at the, in the late nineties until I started, you know, people started bringing it to my attention uh, on the Facebook pages. Uh, So yeah, no, I, I, I had nothing to do with that, but um, interesting. Uh, You know, that was one of my favorite, that was one of the funnest and my favorite costume designs to do along with Adam Baum. Is there anything that you designed that was made that was ready to go that just last minute didn't make it on the TV for whatever reason? 
Um, man, good question. I could tell you right off the top to answer that question was the, the painting uh, that a lot of wrestling fans are familiar with. And actually it's kind of um, right there uh, up here in the corner. Um, it's, there's like 38, there's like 38 wrestlers in that painting with Hulk Hogan in the middle. And it's kind of, um, that was originally supposed to be a hall of fame kind of uh, painting blown up six and a half feet by 13 feet photographically after I did it and hung in the lobby of the headquarters in Titan Towers. Wow. The, yeah, by the time it took so long to do the painting because there were so many changes that by the time I finished the painting, um, half the guys, including Hulk Hogan, already jumped ship and went to the WCW and Vince canned the project. So that was something that was, I mean, they, I worked at hours and hours and hours on that project and it never actually made it to the wall. Um, but there's a lot of costume designs um, that I created that there was alternate, you know, we did like two or three different concepts for a lot of the wrestlers and there's concepts that got scrapped or just, you know, another one got chosen because Vince liked that one more. I have uh, examples of a bunch of Adam Bomb's uh, concepts that before I did the nuclear um, concept, he, I did a, a concept of him as a mercenary. I did him as a concept as a, um, a medieval knight. Uh, there was uh, one or two others after that. And uh, I will share those eventually on social media, on the Facebook pages, uh, which will be fun. I think a lot of people like to see that the things that never, uh, you know, never became anything. Uh, but I was so happy when Vince picked Adam Bomb because I that was like my kind of comic book influence into the uh, wrestling world. Uh, and that was one of the costumes that they gave me full. Um, they just gave me, um, you know, they just said, go with it. Here's a picture of his face. Just come up with your own concepts. And Adam Bomb was 100 percent me with no input from anybody else. And I, yeah, I was really proud of that one. I real and and it was the one costume design that on paper translated to real life so well that it looked when he came out for his debut, I, it was like, oh my god, he looks exactly like the drawing. It was fantastic. It's not always like that. But when yeah. Adam um, debuted, and Brian is on Facebook as well, so I'm sure he would love to see those early concepts as well when um, they're eventually up. But he's been really active all of a sudden on Facebook, which is great. Because uh, Oh, I know. Yeah, oh, he contacted okay. me. We're working together right now. <laughs> is that yeah. Is that he contacted me, and um, yeah, we're, we're working on some new stuff that I am not going to – I'm going to, of course, you know – you know, give he has to uh, do the big reveal and announcements and stuff. But I know he's been on podcast and he has announced that we are working together. So I don't feel that I'm, uh, you know, revealing anything uh, new. But yes, it's been it's been really cool. And right under my laptop on my drawing desk is a painting that I'm working on of Adam Baum. And um, and he's going to, you know, of course, he's going to be the one to reveal it. 
what a time to be alive. Oh, I love it. So when Adam Bomb debuted, because, I mean, he had the orange and black, but he also had a, an inverted colour one as well. Um, yeah. So, and not a lot of people, that one wasn't worn nearly as well. And then eventually he wore like a lime green one. And then um, much later on, he had a blue one and a like an orange one when he turned face and all that kind of thing. So was that kind of... From, I mean, it's probably, I don't know if you would know at this point, but did, he didn't wear the inverted colours one that often, but was he just not big on it as much? You know, I I don't, I can't really answer that question, um, you know, with any kind of confidence, but I do know that when he started, um, he was wearing the costume that I specifically designed. And I think really what happens is they, you know, they need a change of visuals. So they go with a costume for a while and then to change it up and just keep things fresh, the, uh, the seamstresses make different variations of that costume, usually with the same colors, but like you said, inverted and they'll, um, they'll just do something uh, to, you know, so he has a little bit of a different look instead of just showing up the same, you know, with the same look every time. And I, I suspect that that's probably what it was. Uh, although, you know, who knows it, it you know, you know, I'll ask him. Uh, it's a good question. Did you invent the Monday Night Raw logo? No, I didn't oh. do Monday. I, I was at the first Monday Night Raw. Oh. Um, yeah, I was at the first Monday Night Raw. I think that was the first live event that I ever went to uh, personally. And um, so I was there. I, I had one of the first Monday Night Raw T-shirts um, and gave that away years ago that I think somebody's probably using to uh, buff their car with now. Um, you know, I don't know, but, um, yeah, I, uh, asked, I yeah, I, I did not design that. I asked just because I have one of Bobby Heenan's, uh, windbreakers that he wore, um, which has the Monday night Raw logo. I mean, it's prized possession. I don't have much and like any of a ring worn stuff. And I know people who have tons of the stuff, uh, but this is like the one thing that I have because, you know, um, it ain't cheap to get a lot of that stuff. And I was very lucky to get that. So yeah. Um, did you, um, did you design the pinball machine artwork? Ah, you know what? I, there's a, in my hometown here where I live now uh, in Wilmington, North Carolina, there's a bar and they have a vintage <laughs> WWE pinball machine. And although that would have been an awesome project, I didn't, design the artwork what they did was be, my artwork is in the pinball machine but what they did was whoever did design it uh the pinball company probably either hired somebody out or licensed somebody and they bought a bunch of uh the licensed artwork for the from the wwe and created that artwork so i saw my razor ramon logo is in there and some of you know some of my pen and ink drawings but um no i didn't I didn't actually create the artwork. Oh, uh, because the thing is, the um, the uh, the light board uh, design. There was an original light board design, and you you talk about Vince scrapping uh, the Hall of Fame artwork that you designed. Yeah, that, that got that got scrapped because a lot of them were gone by 1993. By the time the pinball machine came out, and um, so I have the the second one, uh, which I'm going to put in a light box eventually. And um, it's interesting because it's one of the few pieces of merchandise that includes Hulk Hogan plus the American-made Luger, because uh, you've got Luger because the ah. cross, 
like pass like ships in the night, those two kind of characters. But I think based on the brooch that I showed you, he was originally narcissist and they just repainted him. Um, yep. So do you find that, I mean, obviously they, they must have done that with a lot of um, your designs, like like say someone like Adam Bomb or Bret Hart who wore a lot of different outfits, you can just paint the different variations of the, the attires on them. I'm guessing that was the thinking behind that. Yeah, exactly. And with the WWF, you know, a lot of the stuff was in their merchandise catalog that companies could go in and they can buy the license to specific artwork. And there were specific colors that were, uh, that were, you know, that were allowed. And that company would have to get everything approved through the WWE. And, um, you know, I know that I remember hearing back way back when, for example, one of the little tidbits that uh, was really interesting was that Hulk Hogan, uh, the WWF licensed the, uh, the Hulk, the title Hulk from yeah. Marvel Comics. And one of the stipulations was, and uh, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that this was true, that Hulk Hogan was not allowed to appear with green and purple ever <laughs> because of the incredible Hulk. And that's a really cool little tidbit, um, if that's true. And I, I you know, I remember it, being in the art department and hearing that. So I think it's pretty. Um, I think the, I think the source is pretty reliable, uh, but I just never got verification of that. I can believe that. That sounds something you know, a, a very sort of litigious, you know, uh, thing. And WWF lo loves their lawsuits, so <laughs> imagine yeah. that. <laughs> yep it, right oh yeah. that's so um did you work closely with um because Bret Hart was a was an artist in his own right um Jerry Lawler's an artist in his own right Ultimate Warrior did a lot of stuff with comic books and stuff like that did you work close more closely with names like that because they came from an artistic background um no not really actually um the, all the guys that you just named I didn't actually work a whole lot with, uh, you know, directly. Um, pretty much, I no, no, I, I didn't work really directly with any of them. Um, I had, you know, I had a couple of little uh, interactions with Brett, but otherwise uh, it was more than the newer guys because I was designing costumes and they were the new guys that needed a look and things like that. The yeah. older guys that were established worked, you know, they were being, you know, pretty much handled by the uh, senior designers and um, other where they were established. Their look was established. So the, the senior designers were working on new logos and maybe a tweak to their costume, things like that. With, with someone like uh, One Two Three Kid, um, did he like the idea of being called one, two, three kid and sort of having this sort of lightning bolt and everything? Like I can imagine he wasn't overly with the baby blue and everything and sort of. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I, 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 um, I created the costume and I actually did a few different designs and Vince chose, uh, I know two, at least two of them that he appeared in. And that was the original one, two, three kid design with the baby. Yeah, the light blue and the big logo on the chest. Really comic booky, like chilled, childlike, almost pajama like. 
That's, and yeah. Um, yeah, like almost like he's in his PJs. And um, I was told that they wanted that kind of look, keep it real childlike. I don't know if he was too fond of it or not. Uh, but um, I know that later on, after he was established, he went to a much more, you know, mature, you know, more of the biker look with X-Pac and things like that. So, you know, he would have to answer that question. You know, I can't, I, I can only speculate, uh, you know, but that I was just doing what I was told to do for those costume designs. Yeah. And uh, they were fun. There were two very, I mean, the, uh, the original blue designs, because uh, he had the same uh, vest, but he had the one with the, the hands counting one, two, three. And then he had the one with the one written out in two yes. sort of thing. And that got made as an action figure as well a few years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, I would love to find that. I have the original Hasbro action figure oh. of that, but I don't have the uh, the newer ones. And I, I do like to find the uh, figures that I worked on and designed. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, you know, I, and that's the thing I'm, I just posted those on the Facebook pages and I'm, I didn't even realize a lot of people started asking me, why did you do the three on the top? And it goes three, two, one. So it's like the three, two, one kid from top to bottom. And I have no answer for that. I, you know, <laughs> I have no idea. I might've just started designing and creating stuff and started drawing um, sometimes I do designs that I don't even expect that they're going to get picked. Maybe that was one, um, you know, the hands, uh, the cartoon hands, I think were kind of really silly and, um, very, uh, cheesy, very cartoon. And I don't know, I don't have an answer for it, but, um, you know, it, it was one of the ones. Can you still, I mean, do you still go into a Walmart now and are you just like amazed when you see something that was based off your work from 30 years ago hanging on a shelf somewhere? Like, does that yes. happen? It's, I get, it's a, it's a mixed, it's a mixed emotion situation because at the time they paid me a flat rate by the hour. And um, I, you know, of course I got no royalties. I work for the company, work for hire. And, um, and it is kind of, it is kind of tough knowing that some of these characters 30 years later are coming back and they're um, the classic edition now. And um, it's, you know, and I don't get royalties. I don't get paid. And it, it, it kind of hurts a little bit, you know, but it feels great at the same time that like, wow, I did, you know, I did create characters that stood the test of time and became, you know, iconic. So um, it's, it's a little bit of both. In, in terms of props, um, did you did you create the uh, the WrestleMania nine Roman pillar microphones that they were holding? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I, I had nothing to do with that one. Yeah. Okay, because I, I WrestleMania nineteen ninety three is my year completely, and I can tell you it inside out, backwards and forwards. Um, some of the props that you made then, like. Uh, what are some besides the uh you know the king of the ring scepter you know did you design the the papa shango props uh the special yeah. hats, all that kind of stuff yeah actually the papa shango stuff so let's see i designed i designed the costume my boss adriana i believe designed the cape and nice the, me and my buddy jay were uh responsible for making papa shango's all of his uh props so I, uh, I, uh, we worked together on 
the uh, top hat, the rain stick, and the uh, smoking skull. And Jay did a lot more work on the props, but I was working hand in hand with him. And um, he he was such a he was such a unique individual. And when we got this job, he's like he's like man. He goes, you're not going to believe this. I have a bone collection at home. <laughs> and and he used to collect roadkill and he had fox chicken um squirrel uh all like chicken skulls and all kinds of like he had a bone collection he had a deer skeleton hanging in his house uh like the rib cage and um he brought in all the skulls that Papa Shango's necklace was made from real bones. That's a leftover Papa Shango hat. And I have one of his skulls also that I've used for Halloween. Um, um, so one of the smoking skulls. Um, yeah. That's incredible. So did you, um, cause I'm sure um, Atha from the head shrinkers wore like a, some kind of animal necklace as well. Did you, were you involved in the designing of that? Or? I think that was, I think that was Jay. I think that was all Jay. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because and I'll, I'm, I'm going to talk about him a little bit more because I have a very significant story. Um, but he, yeah, that I believe that I remember him making the little shrunken heads and they were brilliant and they were so creepy and, uh, you know, and he did such a great job on those. Uh, the other props that I did were, um, so the rain stick, we both worked on the rain stick. I painted the designs on the rain stick. Um, we both added things, uh, you know, to the top of it. With the pyro that came out when, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and then the cape, you know, we, we uh, wired and attached rubber snakes and spiders and all kinds of stuff to his cape. Um, and then Adam Baum's props, uh, after I designed his costume, I was responsible. They came to me and they said, all right, so, you know, you, uh, you designed the costume, the, uh, singlets being made by, uh, the seamstresses, you have, to, you have to come up with the goggles and the gloves. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I was like, geez, you gotta be kidding me. So I went out, bought some electrician goggles and I hand painted them and, um, a little something. I just told Brian this recently and he didn't even know that inside his goggles, if you look inside the lenses, they're this rose colored uh, reflective uh, lens. Yeah. I went up to the um, merchandise uh, office and got one of Bret Hart's novelty glasses. <laughs> and I took the lenses out and I sliced out Bret Hart's um, pink mylar and I inserted them into Adam Baum's goggles and that's ex those are those are Bret Hart's novelty uh, goggles cut up in there well funnily enough um, because they ended up making I mean they weren't exact replicas that you could buy Adam Baum shades and I have a pair and they look exactly like the Bret Hart wraparound shades um, yep. made out of the same material that's crazy yeah, with the little foam around the edge so that it doesn't uh, bother, irritate your face. Yeah, that's the exact glasses that I used for Adam Baum's goggles for his actual ring goggles. And then I hand painted them and I went out and bought black gloves, yellow gloves, sliced the, cut them up and then grommeted them together so that they were, they had to be super sturdy because, you know, if you never know if he's going to, you know, wrestle in them, if he's going to take them off and then wrestle, whatever, they, they had to be ring ready. So not only look good, but they had to be very sturdy also. Um, 
so yeah, that's, uh, you know, mostly Papa Shango and Adam Baum as far as props along with the King of the Ring. And I'm sure there was, I'm sure there was more um, that I'll remember, <laughs> but um, off the top of my head, those are the, the big ones. Um, before we get into uh, your friend who you worked with, because I know you wanted to uh, talk to him, uh, talk about him. Um, one thing that I found interesting, because you designed the Royal Rumble 94 artwork, um, where they are wrestling, they smash through the TV and are sort of all fighting in the living room and Donk has the bucket and everything as well. Was there any panic? Because Matt Bourne had already left and there was another Donk at that point, but Matt Bourne's artwork still appeared on a lot of merchandise after he after he was gone. Yeah, and I think... I don't know for sure. You know, usually when I usually remember things like that, uh, when there's um, replacements and somebody can't, you know, comes in to replace someone. And um, I don't, because the WW, I would suspect that the WWF, they own all the uh, copyrights to all the characters. Yeah. So I would imagine that before legal, uh, you know, legal procedures started and things like that, that, you know, they own the, 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 rights to the character so they decided they wanted to keep using it because he was a character that could have been replaced with you know somebody else wearing the exact same makeup and costume so i don't know offhand if they were planning on replacing him with somebody else or if maybe they you know if they were trying to get him back and um you know i don't know what the story is not after the the way he was let go i think because um, it was one of those drug-related ah. firings. And I guess they were trying to be as squeaky clean as possible. But the thing is, though, because Matt Bourne as Don't the Clown is possibly my favourite gimmick of all time. Um, and even though he was gone, the fact that they still used his specific likeness on merchandise makes me love that's like the, the mask, the cardboard mask with the um, with the tie that you could hold up. I've got a little Don't Shrine in the corner over here, like a Matt Bourne Shrine. Um, oh wow! I'll show you some of this stuff after after we've uh, finished the interview. But yeah, the, the fact that Matt Bourne specifically is on the Rumble '94 artwork, I love that. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's wonderful. And, and and talk about someone if it, if there was a top five of names that I would love to have interviewed, it would have been it would have been. Matt oh wow! Bourne. Yeah. So uh, my buddy Jay created uh, Doink, designed Doink's costume. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember him having por- uh, uh, Polaroids of Matt, and that's what he was using for, you know, the costume designs and things like that. But um, yeah, that was definitely Jay. I think he uh, designed Doink's logo and and costume, so it was really neat for me to uh, paint him in the Royal Rumble. Uh, there was very specific characters that they wanted me to include in the Royal Rumble. And um, at the time I was, you know, I was really happy and proud of Adam Baum. And he wasn't one of the guys they wanted me to include in that painting, but I snuck in, if you see, I snuck in his goggles flying out of the uh, TV. I Um, noticed that. I'm going to have to look closely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and another little tidbit in the painting of that, um, that's my, uh, at, at, that is the three people on the sitting on the couch is um the kid that lived across the street uh <laughs> from from my uh my brother-in-law he, my brother-in-law is uh, a bit younger than me and that was one of his friends at the time uh it's 
um, in the middle is Mike Foley, one of the art directors at the WWF. And, um, and my wife is, uh, is the, uh, is the one pointing at the, uh, at the TV. So, yeah, I used to always sneak in little things and, um, put friends in if I could. Yeah. Oh, that is wonderful. So yeah, you wanted to, um, talk specifically about, um, uh, about Jay. About Jay, yeah. Um, do you have stories about him that you would like to? Okay. So yeah, one of the one of the, I mean one of the real big reasons, um, Jay was Jay was um, he was a bit older than me, and I came in as this you know you know this kind of wise ass kid, twenty five years old, and um, you know just you know came in started working. He was about I guess about ten to fifteen years older than me, and we got along and hit it off so well that going into work and working with Jay um, on the designs and things like that, we used to just laugh and have like, I mean, it was, it was one of the greatest uh, work situations and made it so fun. And um, we stayed, we stayed in touch after he left the WWE. Uh, We stayed in touch. And uh, uh, a few years ago, he was diagnosed with leukemia and we used to, you know, we stayed in touch and we have phone conversations. And one of the conversations that we had, uh, one of the last conversations that we had was he brought up the idea that it would just be the greatest thing of ever if we somehow got inducted into the Wrestling Hall of Fame. And we would laugh. And he said, can you imagine us two idiots going up there in suits, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, accepting our uh, induction. And we used to laugh about it. And it was, you know, completely a pipe dream and never really gave it a real, you know, real thought until uh, he, he passed away pretty shortly after that conversation. And I actually was in touch with my creative director who left the company also. And, um, and she thought it was a great idea also that, you know, these, you know, the people behind the scenes and things like that um, uh, would, could, could be honored and nobody really knew how to go about that. And then with this resurgence, and when I started posting all these things on Facebook and getting this unbelievable feedback and the knowledge and the um and not knowing how much impact that we had on people's childhoods and that the era that we worked in in the 90s was so beloved and the characters that we created were um i had no idea how much it meant to people and i you know, I recently started thinking like, wow, could it be possible um, to kind of see Jay's and my dream come to fruition? And the thought um, occurred to me like, oh my God, if I could do that for Jay, um, that it would absolutely mean the world to me uh, if that is a possibility. So I, I feel like I, I need to mention this and tell our story because um, he did so much and he was such a, a big part of the uh, early 90s WWF uh, era. 
And um, it's such a wonderful story. And he was such a unique character that um, I have, you know, if, if there's anybody out there that can guide me into, um, you know, seeing this, uh, you know, and getting in touch with the right people, please contact me, let me know. Um, and I can provide more information. I can, um, I can give you specific things and a list that we worked on. And especially Jay, who off the top of my head, I don't know the extent of the projects, but I am in touch with his wife, his widow, Gina. And we can definitely, um, I can definitely get that information. So I just always like to put that out there. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope that there is a possibility of that. And I heard about the Warrior, Warrior Award yeah. recently. And that, um, you know, that I, I can't say, you know, how honored and um, if that's even a possibility. But, um, you know. Well, that's the thing, um, you know, because when Ultimate Warrior first, uh, he was on stage, he got inducted into the Hall of Fame and that was two days before he passed away, which is just, it, you know, crazy to think about it now. Um, yes. He suggested the idea of giving the award to long-term employees, those who've had an impact on the company. And it kind of changed from that more to sort of people who um, had been like sort of did charity work, etc., or, or people who had survived an illness who were like super fans, etc. But this year they gave it to a long-term employee as well. And I think that, I mean, have you, uh, we don't get it over here and I'm, I'm really hoping to show it, but the, uh, the hidden treasures, uh, show on a &E. um, I would be shocked if some of your work or some of his work doesn't show up on one of these shows eventually um, because it's finding lost ring gear and props and stuff that makes it you know stuff that they don't have in their possession anymore and they go out looking for it and you know it can't be out of the realms of possibility and I mean you know, with, um, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, uh, Brian Myers and um, and Zach Ryder, uh, Matt Cardona, um, who are huge collectors as well. I'm sure they've probably talked with you, of, you know, about things, I'd imagine. Um, you know, they're kind of bringing the whole collectability thing, you know, whether we've, we have disagreed on things, <laughs> you, know, just, uh -huh. you know, just nerds, basically. But, you know, yeah. it can't be argued what a spotlight he has helped shine on a lot of this stuff from the past and you know it and it's a wonderful thing and it, you know um wwe have realized that there i mean as you've seen yourself there is a lot of longevity and money in the past and you know there's no reason why you know it seems like your work is now probably seen more now even than it was back then because of the amount of products that it's currently on the some of the things that you designed that your pro, you know were only available through the catalogs of the live events. Now they're in Walmart and, and Target, yeah, yeah, in stores in over this country, and T-shirts get redesigned. Like I said, the the Randy Savage design from the Hall of Fame that's from the same line of cups that you did with the Natural Disasters. And there's no yep. reason why if if Fred Ottman or Earthquake go in the Hall of Fame, why that design wouldn't be used on a T-shirt and. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's 
beyond wonderful that I get, I'm more excited. I, I would never tell the rest of this, but I'm more excited about chatting to someone like yourself who made a lot of the stuff that I have than some of the rest of us that, uh, that I've talked with, because, you know, you have knowledge of your product, but if I talk to some wrestler about, oh, do you remember this action figure from 1991? You'd be like, no, of course I don't. Because <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and hopefully, you know, I'm just honored that you are happy to be on the show. But if it continues along with everyone else who is contacting you, etc., shines light on this part of your career, which is, again, only a small part of your entire you know, <laughs> career and everything, but it's just such a special yeah. part for such a, a specific audience as well. And probably not as mainstream as some of the other stuff that you've done as well, like the Marvel stuff. And, um, you know, did, did you see that stuff as kind of, I mean, in the early 90s in America, WWF was kind of on a slight downhill trajectory for various reasons. But in the UK and in Europe, WWF was huge. Like, again, your artwork, I have an Easter egg box with some of your designs on it. You know, from, from oh, it's scary. Like, have you ever seen the film Misery? Do you know when she has all of his work and everything? You know, it would kind of be like that, which is why. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I try not to make that comparison too often, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, but um, it, it, it can't... Without just completely inflating your ego, um, it can't be stated enough how special your work is to many people that I know. And I mean, the the collector community online is just insane, as I'm sure you're finding out. And um, yeah, and how knowledgeable everyone is as well. And you know, again, you're probably I just showed you some wallpaper with your designs on that you've probably never seen before. <laughs> never seen it before. Yeah. Um, your yeah. work, I think your work was on the bedspreads, on the curtains, all of that stuff. You know, it's, yeah, it, yeah, it, I know. So you know, <laughs> it's it, I I always look every once in a while and seek out to see because there's specific there's specific artwork that I've done that I always wonder. I did it. And I always wonder if it ever um, appeared. You deserve some of this stuff. Like I, th I think a good. Um, you know, because because the price of it, you shouldn't have to pay some of that. I think you should be allowed in the warehouse for one day just to be allowed <laughs> to take some of your stuff uh, back. So I think it was that line of T-shirts as well. Did you design the Virgil T-shirt that came out? <laughs> no, no. This I this was my this was my first one, I believe. And I did like I did the artwork on um, the the Undertaker T-shirt where the hand is coming out of the tombstone. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then there was another one that I didn't do the artwork, but I designed the shirt and I did the uh, font, the the word Undertaker, and it's the one of him with the full moon behind him, and it's more of a photographic kind of uh, manipulation than it was um, a drawing. Mm -hmm. uh, and geez, I did. Oh, let me ask you this because I thought that this was a T-shirt, mm -hmm. and I have not been able to find it. But let me see if you are familiar. This is exciting. Oh, no, um, I don't think I've seen that. That's another Hogan one, classic shirt rip pose. Um, they yeah. did, funnily enough, they did a, um, a line of statues called uh, Unmatched Fury, and that looks very much like what that you know could have been based on, but obviously ripped that shirt a lot of times. But I don't specifically recall that. 
again, I'll take screenshots and uh, we can ask the yeah. audience and they can get in touch because there'll be people far more knowledgeable than I am. Like, I'm okay with knowledge, but there'll be people that, you know, will blow me away, I think. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> I would love to do a part two. You're probably so busy. It's ridiculous. But I always find that if I get someone to agree to do a part two on air, that counts as a verbal contract. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, no, I, we'll, we'll, we'll work it in. You know, I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, we can we do a part to, two for sure. We should definitely do a video one for our YouTube channel where we can compare pieces of merchandise and stuff like that. But, um, sure. Yeah. Cause I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. Uh, cause again, oh, yeah. I, I told you I had a million questions for you, but, um, yeah, but again, we have to make this listenable for the audience. Otherwise, we'll drive everyone off after like the two yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, where can where can people find you and uh, get in touch? Okay, so the easiest way to get in touch with me is, of course, my website, which is tomflemingartwork.com with one M. So you know, Tom F L E M I N G artwork.com. Uh, Facebook pages. My Facebook page is the uh, the art of Tom Fleming. And then I have my personal page, which is, you know, Facebook only allows you for 5,000 friends. And I, I keep, I have uh 4,900 and I, I keep like five slots open for professional reasons in case an art director or editor or something. Um, I always want it to be open for that. So the art of Tom Fleming, of course, is always the way to contact me. Uh, and then there's uh, the Facebook pages. Uh, the wrestling Facebook pages, uh, the GWC is a great one. Um, and then, you know, old school wrestling Facebook page. Um, I'm always posting on there. Uh, top rope collectibles is another one that's been very supportive. And, um, uh, and then there's the other one that Steve owns the GWC, uh, which is, um, uh, uh, what was uh geez i i can't remember the name of it uh fandonium or something or um i can post links below the show as well so yeah so um you know that's the best way and um you know i always have um original i have a lot of the original art still available which is i have the original paintings for the survivor series 93 still here um, I have the original Undertaker and the stuff that I just showed you. So if anybody's interested in owning a piece of uh, WWF history, they can contact me and we can talk about price. Um, and, uh, and of course, prints are always, I always have prints on my website and my eBay store and my Etsy shop. So uh, they, you know, you can always find prints of that. That's good to know. Well, look, I want to thank you again and uh, I look forward to doing a part two. And, uh, and I want to thank everyone for listening to uh, Hands Off Merchandise on bbgwrestling.com. And we will see you again very soon. All right. Thanks, Pablo. I really had a good time, man. And we'll talk again. <laughs>